Thank you, Michael. All right, we're going to do something a little different. You're not surprised, are you? <clears throat> if you would, just remain seated. We're going to move into our, our sermon. And what I'm going to do is actually I'm going to take our passage, Judges chapter 13. I'm going to read it, teach on it, walk through it. Okay, so. Samson, who did your homework? Great, I have questions. Here was one of my questions. So I, I read it. I, I don't give you stuff that I don't do. I had a question as I was reading through these chapters. It's almost like, what did Samson have against animals? Killed the lion, dawboat of a donkey, a donkey, jawbone of a donkey, lifted fox's tails on fire. Just like, what gives? Anyway. So what type of, what was the animal that Samson pulled the honey out of? Oh, you can do better than that. Lion. There, yes. Let's, let's, I don't, I'm wondering if I need to buy everybody microphones. What was the name of the woman that Samson fell in love with? Delilah. Right. Okay. Going to get a little tougher. You ready? Why did the Israelites need to be delivered? Chapter 13, verse 1. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. This is, now, this is a trick question. I'm just going to give this. This is a tricky question. You ready? What was the key to Samson's strength? Obedience. Mm-hmm. You know why I know that? Look at my head. <laughs> Easy, right? It's not about the hair. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not about the hair. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Here is our sermon in a sentence. We're going to walk through Judges chapter 13 today. So we're going to be Judges chapter 13 through 16. That's the series that we're in. And it is about Samson. But here's your sermon in a sentence. Now, even though I understand the title of our sermon is Train Them Up, okay, that goes along with Proverbs, right? Train them up in the way that they should go. But here's your sermon in a sentence. Be faithful and obedient. Be faithful and obedient. Judges chapter 13. We'll do 1 through 7 to start. Again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah, named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then a woman, then the woman went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to me, 
and he looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. At this point, I need to kind of give a, a, a little disclaimer. Because I read this, and I, especially reading the first chapter, I'm like, oh man, do I see myself in that chapter, being Manoah. So, if my wife came to me and said, um, an angel showed up, and he told me that I'm going to have a, a son. And she says, I didn't ask him where he came from. And I didn't ask him his name. I would be like, what? You, you didn't find out that information? Why not? As we read through chapter 13, you will see Manoah needs to learn to listen to his wife. <laughs> Plain and simple. But <clears throat> he doesn't. Anyway, so what is a Nazarite? Taken from the Hebrew, it means one that is singled out. One that is dedicated. That's what Nazarite means. And there's two ways that that can happen. One, it can be done voluntarily for a time, for a season. Male or female could say, I am going to take this vow as being a Nazarite before the Lord. Voluntarily. The other way that it can happen is like Samson, from birth. From the very point of being in the womb, that there has been a call upon one's life to be dedicated, to be singled out, to be different. And that would last until their death. No wine is to be given to them. Not only no wine, but no product of the grapevine. Couldn't eat grapes. Most times, those who took the Nazarite vow or had the Nazarite vow would not even go near a vineyard. The other is that their hair is not cut. Clearly, I'm not a Nazarite. But that's the other part. During that time, male or female, whether it's just the season that they have declared to the Lord or that they have been set aside from birth until the day they died, they never cut their hair. Third is not to touch a dead body. Those three things. Signs outwardly that they have been singled out, set aside, dedicated to the Almighty. To end that vow, there was something that they had to do. They had to cut their hair. It wasn't about, okay, my vow is over, now I'm going to go have a glass of wine. It wasn't anything about, okay, my vow is over, now I can give sacrifice, because remember, that's what they did back then. They sacrificed to the Lord. Therefore, they would have to touch a dead body, right? It wasn't about that. It wasn't about drinking wine. It was about cutting the hair. And what they would do is then they would take their hair and they would take it to the priest and they would lay it on the altar before the Lord. 
and it would be burned. You know, it talks in Scripture that God smells the aroma. The sweet aroma of His obedient children and the bad aroma of those who sin against Him. So here is an individual who has completed their vow and they cut their hair, they take it to the priest, it is burned as incense before the Lord and their vow is over and their vow is complete. Doesn't that then make a whole lot of sense of Samson's hair being cut? He knew all this. And when he told Delilah about the cutting of his hair, he knew what that meant. And he placed that in her hands. He didn't protect it. So in this, point, this, this first section of Judges chapter 13, Manoah's wife is told that she's going to have a son. And she is told what his purpose is. And oftentimes, as parents, we can look into the Scriptures and we can go, wouldn't it be nice if an angel showed up and told me what the purpose of my child's life is? Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? Now, the other thing, too, is to look at it. It's not just about parents and children. Because the Bible talks often about orphans. And that that is pure and undefiled religion, to take care of widows and the orphans. And it talks about those whom God puts into our care. That it doesn't have to be by blood that we are positioned to impact or influence lives of others. Correct? And I know I'm talking to a bunch of educators. There is a gift that I have seen with those who are educators that when they look at their classroom, they see the potential, and oftentimes that's the word that may be used, but they see the potential in the lives of all of these children. And not only do they see the potential, the gift, the purpose, but they also see the strategy on if this would happen or that would happen, then that potential or that gift within that child would blossom. Is that true? Let me tell you, that's all spiritual. That's all spiritual. Because God is allowing you, since that child is then in your charge, He is allowing you to see into the life of that child and understand what that child can do, accomplish its purpose, His purpose, her purpose, and that you have then the time to invest into that child so that they can be and do everything that He's created them to be and do. That's how it works. That is God's fingerprints on that child, on how much He loves that child. And He trusts you enough to show you those things so that you will step into that role and help that child become. Train them up. It doesn't have to be your flesh and blood. Does it? Now, spiritually speaking, Paul even talks about being the father figure, a father figure to those who are raising up and being trained up spiritually. 
He is considered their father. Right? goes the same for all of us. There are those that God allows to come under our wings, under our umbrella of care. And when they enter that umbrella, we get to be involved in training them up in the way they should go. little weighty, isn't it? That's why when my kids say, hey, can so-and-so come over? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle it. I'm kidding. It's great. It's one of the things to go, you know what? This is something we get to do. We get to be a part of it because we're here moving and advancing the kingdom of God and that's part of how we can do that. That's part of how we can do that. But Manoah's wife, is, it is explained to her who her child is, what his purpose is, and what she is supposed to do. Remember our sermon in a sentence? Be faithful, be obedient. Next section. Judges chapter 13, 8 through 18. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I beg you to let the man of God that you sent to us come again and teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Well, God heard Manoah, and the angel of the Lord came again, this is funny, to the woman, while she was out in the field. But her husband was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, He's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. And Manoah got up and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said, Are you the man to talk to my wife? I am he, he said. So Manoah asked him, When your words are fulfilled, what is the rule that governs the boy's life and his work? The angel of the Lord answered, Your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink or anything unclean. She must do everything that I've commanded her. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, we would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord replied, even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it, to the Lord. Manoah did not realize that it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, What is your name that we may honor you when your word comes true? And he replied, Why do you ask my name? It's beyond your understanding. In this passage, Manoah asks for more. I can understand that, being inquisitive. Living, in, uh, living a life um, without children, understanding your wife was barren, and then you get a message that she is going to be pregnant and have a son. Understanding that your country, that your people are in bondage. They're not free. But yet the child that you're going, you're going to have is going to set in motion the deliverance. I would have more questions. I find it interesting 
that God, through his angel, keeps it in his wife's court. Manoah, this isn't about you. This is about her and her obedience. And then it will be about your son. Manoah even asks him, give us information that will help us train him up. Oftentimes, isn't that what we ask? For those who are in our care, isn't there more? Is there more information you can give me? What God is saying here is, trust me. Do this. Stay focused on this. The rest will come. Trust me. Be faithful with what I've been given you, what I've given to you. Obey what I've told you. Trust me for the rest. And that gets really hard, doesn't it? I am not one to sit on my hands or to put my hands down in my pockets. I am one that's going to want to grab the situation, the bull with bo- by both horns, and do what needs to be done that I think is best to make the situation be what I want it to be. I want to control this outcome. But see, God's already told him the outcome. His son will be the one who starts the deliverance. But what about between here and there? Trust me. But that's hard. Yes, it is. But that's where relationship is built. Because the depth of our trust reveals the depth of our relationship. It doesn't matter to me whether it's between you and the Lord, you and your spouse, you and your child, you and your third cousin removed from the left-hand side. Listen, the depth of your trust reveals the depth of your relationship. That can be very exposing. Well, I don't trust a whole lot. Um, and my relationship's pretty shallow. So then what do you do? It's one of the things that, okay, God reveals these things to us. So then it's like, okay, so God, so then how do I deepen that? And oftentimes He will give you opportunities to trust Him. That means that you're not going to know all the answers, but you get to trust Him through it because He loves you, He cares for you, and He has your best interests at heart. And He will take you to the next level because He wants to go there with you. It's about relationship. Judges chapter 13, finishing out the chapter. Then Manoah took a young goat together with the grain offering and sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar altar toward heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell on their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. We are doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. But his wife answered, If the Lord had meant to kill us, 
he would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things, or now told us this. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he was in Mahana, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtel. Again, there's a wonderful picture of me. I don't need to say any more. <laughs> because it really is. It's like, well, I'm going to offer, do this offering and all this stuff. And then God, and I love this because it, right in verse 19 it says, And the Lord did an amazing thing while they watched. And Manoah goes from, oh my word, that is amazing, to we're all going to die. We have seen God. He's going to kill us all. And his wife is like, Manoah, really? Mm -hmm. See, I'm not the only one that has been in that situation, right? And she talks so much truth and so much reality to him. He is on the outside looking in, and God is dealing with his wife about the salvation of his children to bring them out of captivity and into freedom. In this is such wisdom for us, oftentimes as men, to look in and understand this is the relationship between the child and the mother that oftentimes the father watches. It's true. And we can jump from here straight into the necessity of family. That's a whole other year-long series. But there is unity there, and there are roles. But Manoah is watching. He is the one, through Scripture, called to lead this family. And he is to do that by trust. He didn't get the special messages. He's the one asking all the questions. But he is the one that has to trust the most. And that's not always easy. We've already talked about that. So he goes from seeing this most amazing thing to there is a switch that flips in his head to go, we're all going to die. Help me, we're all going to die. And his wife is like, no, we're not. Because we have been given a purpose. We have been given an understanding that God is going to use us for a purpose. And what the angel talks about comes about. God did something amazing. In all of that, the question can come up in our own minds. Not just about what is my purpose, but what are those whom God has brought into my care, what are their purposes? Ask. Ask. And in that, God will give you 
insight. And He will give you promises. And God will do something absolutely amazing. And you will get to see Him be who He is in the situation that He has placed you in so that those under your care can become what He's designed them to be. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter how young they are. It doesn't matter if they're a part of your flesh and blood family. I'm at Camp Presmont last night. Sitting at the picnic tables. Watching people. Favorite pastime of mine, people watcher. Guilty. But I do it as a point of going, so God, how do you want to use me? You have me here. You put me here. Is there something you want to do with me here? And this one young man is highlighted. I see him. So I'm like, okay, just a real faint whisper about that young man. And so through the evening, I watch. I watch him. I'm still asking, Lord, do you want me to say something? Do you want me to do something? What? We're getting ready to leave, and God's like, go talk to him. was one of the young men that actually came down to the lake to watch. And I walked up to him. I called out his name, and I walked up to him. And I just said his name. And he starts crying. I have something I need to share with you. So I started to tell him, and he cries harder. Knowing that God was in our midst. Where two or three are gathered together, God is with us, right? Jesus was there without question. It's one of the things, and what my point is this, it doesn't have to be someone who has been born into your family. Those whom God puts in your care can be at a three and a half hour event at a camp someplace. God wants to do amazing things with you. He wants to do amazing things through you. And He wants to touch those whom you are around. We are vessels for His influence to flow through and into the lives of others. God wants to do amazing things. He has purposes for each one that has been born. Each one of us has value. But He wants to inject Himself into our lives and those whom are under our care more than we would ever realize or imagine. Here's the thing. Don't freak out. You're not all going to die. God has a plan. And always there's someone who can step into your situation and speak truth peacefully and logically, to get you regrounded. We all know who those people are, and we may not want to admit that who they are, but we know that there are those people that can see what's happening in our situation, step into that situation, speak to us, bring peace and calmness to our heart through the Lord Jesus Christ, so that what needs to be shared to that individual will impact them and influence them for eternity and help them step into their purpose. 
So Samson has a purpose. We all know that. But sometimes it's neat to look at these Sunday school stories and these Bible stories from a different perspective. And to see the growth and understanding that his parents had to carry for what they had been given. If we can begin to see those around us as ones given to us, and that we are being called to train them up in the way that they should go, we are yet taking a further step in changing the world. Father, Lord God, I praise you and worship you for our time together. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you, God, for reminders in Scripture that happen just as much today as they did then. But Father, I thank you for blessing us to allow us to see the truths that we need to grasp. Father, I pray that you open our eyes and allow us to see those whom you allow us to influence and that we would see their purposes. And Father, what you are doing with their lives and Father, how to help them become what you've designed them to be. Lord, you have blessed us and you have blessed us greatly. Father, allow us to take time to soak in that, to remember those things, to be thankful for those things. And Father, I ask you to help us trust you more. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.